What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. We had another 2021 for wrestling has started off pretty good. Um, uh, when I say pretty good, I mean just different stuff and just the the, the flurry of announcements. As I'm recording this, I, as as most of you know, as most of you have been listening to the show, no, I usually record this show Friday night immediately after SmackDown. After I absorb SmackDown for a little bit. It takes me all week to absorb Raw. Like, legitimately, I need all week before I know how I feel about Raw. It's kind of like, um... <laughs> Alright, so SmackDown, I know if I sit down at the blind date, I know immediately if I want that emergency call or not, right? With Raw, I'm kind of like, ugh, give me 30 minutes and then make the call no matter what. <laughs> so I really need that much time to digest raw but i wanted to wait till after hard to kill because to me this is such an important moment in impact its history and aew's history and i don't think the finish was ever in doubt to me it was more about how how, how will pay-per-view numbers be after this and obviously we don't know like how other things would happen because it was an empty crowd how will this help them out when we get fans back in the building, like real fans back in the buildings, like packing those buildings, which I don't think will be until at least November of this year. Um, personally. Um, but to me, I, I just think they have an underrated world champion and I don't know how the fans will react to Rich Swan. I I've always liked Rich Swan, but to me, I just, I'm just, how do I put it? I'm struggling to find the words here. I guess I'm just excited. You know, I really am as, as dry as I may sound. I'm actually excited um, because I just, you just, just so much to take from this, this move. And I'm actually looking forward to them, AEW team with New Japan. And Impact needs to repair that relationship with New Japan. They need to. They messed that up. They need to fix it. So since we're talking about Impact, let's just start with Impact. These are my notes you guys are hearing. Their Hard to Kill pay-per-view was, as I'm recording this, just went off the air maybe 30 minutes ago. Uh, D'Lo Brown and Matt Stryker were the new announced team. Because I listened to things on mute, I don't know how they did, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so you guys got to get that information from someone else. Um, but I was really excited for this, uh, because of the main event, obviously, but let's hit some, some quick notes. Like Madison rain did announce her retirement. She is currently married to, I believe Josh Matthews, but this wasn't that surprising. I thought, I thought she retired like last month. So maybe she didn't make it official until tonight. But anyways, uh, a, a big debut was Matt Cardona making his impact debut, um, I do know some people say, well, I thought he was signed to uh, AEW. Well, he was always signed to a short-term deal, but his deal with AEW was not exclusive to AEW. Uh, but he made his Impact debut tonight, which only fits him and Kurt Hawkins. Um, just It just makes sense. I know I'm using Kurt Hawkins' old name. But I can't remember his current name. Um, Alex Shelley, this was announced two days ago. Alex Shelley was out of the main event. Uh, he was replaced by Moose. Some personal issues going on. Stuff that's really none of our business. And I don't care now. Um, as long as he's going to be all right, that's all that matters. Um, so Moose was replaced in the main event. I mean, it didn't really matter. I mean, it would have been nice to see the, the machine, Motor City Machine Guns in the main event together in this historic match, essentially. But it's, it's cool to see Moose in that position, too. The fact that, like, I think Moose has, like, two more years on his, aid, on his impact deal. This dude is money. I loved him in, in uh, ROH, and I don't know why he signed with Impact. I don't know if there was an interest on the other end from WWE, um, but this guy can be big time, you know, in my opinion. Um, but the main event was good. I did watch the main event. Oh, by the way, also, before we get to the main event, Brian Hebner made his Impact return, so that was good to see. But uh, the main event was Omega and the Good Brothers, the Bullet Club, uh, Tonga from the Gorillas of Destiny said earlier this week that 
this was not the Bullet Club and that they should not do the Too Sweet Jester. They should not call themselves Bullet Club. He put them on notice. Well, Kenny Omega, being a, uh, a fun troll that he is, um, came out wearing a Bullet Club t-shirt and they did the Too Sweet Gesture. He, he, he had to know once he said that what someone was going to do. He had to know. Um, but it was Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion, Moose and Chris Saban. Um, this was a good match. You know, the one thing I was interested in was who was going to take the pin. And sure enough, Kenny Omega, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, pinned clean Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion. I'm assuming this has to be set up for a match. I don't think it'll set up. I mean, I'm hoping it's not going to be a title match. Be, well, I guess he's already pinned the champ. So, like, why wouldn't it be a title match? I just don't see them putting both belts on Kenny. Um, well, that would be a hell of a move if they do. If they do. I just don't see it, though. But um, anyways, um, this was a good match. You definitely should watch it. Um, the rest of the show was decent, too, for sure. Uh, Deanna Peraza versus um, Taya Valkyrie was really good, too, in my opinion. But um, this is why I, I, I wanted to see. I saw it, and I was very happy with it. But I would check it out. If I were to watch it again, I, I might turn, just watch this match with the volume up just so I can hear how D'Lo Brown and Matt Stryker did. We, we know what we're getting from Matt Stryker. I've actually never heard D'Lo on commentary before, though. So um, that is interesting in itself. Uh, and since we're on the topic of AEW, let's just get right to AEW. Um, I did watch the show live again. To me, the show was... Uh, it was filled with a lot of um quick um oh oh i have nowhere finishes if that makes any sense um there was some good stuff on here but to me a lot of stuff just felt like it came out of nowhere if not everything did with match wise like certain things i just didn't see pinning someone or i saw more interference happen don't me wrong i'm not complaining i just what what how i took certain things um, the night started with Pac versus Kingston, and this was a pretty simple match. Nothing really too special about it. Uh, Pac won with a red arrow, and then afterwards, Lance Archer came out, and him and Pac are going to fight each other over who gets to kick Eddie Kingston in the face the most. Um, it's just, that whole thing is funny. Um, Miro. He beat Chuck Taylor, and per the stipulation, the loser has to be the other one's servant. And Miro beat him really clean in the, in the camel clutch, and like you just see, um, Orange Cassidy just on the outside just looking, and it's like, all right, it it, it just and these matches were pretty short, and like to the point. Um, so interested to see how that happens and how this is gonna. I'm assuming this is going to go on until his tag team partner comes back or until he ruins the wedding. I know the wedding's not for a little... I think the wedding's a beach break. That should be next month, I think. Um, or March, one or two. Next month. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. But this was another basic match. Uh, the Inner Circle have a match. Oh, or excuse me, a get-together. And Jericho says that him and MJF are going to win the tag team championships. Santana and Ortiz have a problem with this because they feel they're the tag team of the group. So next week is going to be a triple threat tag team match. Jericho and MJF versus Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. The best part is still thinking Sammy Guevara is totally going face. Sammy Guevara just looked at Jericho and said, I see what this is. You're a tag slut. I just couldn't stop laughing because it's true. He's tagged with everybody. He's tagged with Hager. He tagged with Guevara and now MJF. Um, so this was, this was, this was really good. Um, this is clear. It's heading towards, if not a full on breakup, a lot of people will leave the group. Um, but Sammy is so, so if, if he, if the crowds were in the building, he would be a face right now. He, he would be getting, it was like, it'd be like, I'm not saying the cheers will be this loud, but without a doubt, um, it was like RVD when the evasion happened. It was like, it just was. By far the, the the most popular person. There was anytime he came out, there was no booing him, at all. Um, 
So looking forward to that. Uh, next week, Adam Page will give the Dark Order his answer on if he will join. I can't imagine he would. But then again, the Dark Order just took a huge hit with uh, Brody Lee passing away. So I don't know what they're going to do with this group. I have no clue. But I don't see how that helps Adam Page, though, personally. Um, the Elite. This was a this was a great setup, dude. This was so great. So the Bucks and Omega and Don Kels are talking, and the Bucks think that they're going to be in a six-man tag team match uh, against the Varsity Blinds and uh, Limelight. And Don Kels comes out, he's cutting a promo, and he says, well, they're biz. Oh, Kenny Omega's best friends, the Good Brothers. And it completely had me, because even in my notes, I had wrote down the Bucks, and I just didn't think about the Good Brothers. I just was going with the flow. And sure enough, you just see the Bucks backstage with Tony Khan. They're all looking pissed off. I thought it was funny. Um, this was actually, they actually gave the Varsity Blondes and... Oh, that's weird. My iPad was talking. Um, uh, it was, it, you know what? They, they gave the Varsity Blondes and Limelight a little more than I thought they were going to give them. But the, at the end of the day, uh, the the AEW version of Bullet Club won. Uh, and it, it, but Limelight looks like he's going to be a freaking star. He was doing so many things. Um, I could see him and Darby Allen have like just tearing things up in the TNT ranks. You know, I could just just see that all day. Um, after the match, John Moxley comes out, and if you know anything about John Moxley, you know he truly does not care. He saw it was three on one. He he rolled right in, and a fight ensues. And then the Lucha Brothers come out, and the Bucks come out trying to calm everybody down. The Bucks turn around. Lucha Brothers, two super kicks. I think we have our next challengers to those tag team championships at Beach Break. Um, and I'm and I'm all here for it. I am here for it. Um, I truly think the Lucha Brothers have been underutilized since they've been in AEW, um, which is fine. Because to me, they've kind of played the tag team role of what Kenny Omega was doing. They are so good apart and together. Like they're they're not only going to have great tag team success, they're going to have great singles runs. As we've already seen Pentagon or El Pentazero, he is a former world champion. He won the Lucha Underground title. Like these guys are going to be so good together and apart that they kind of have to take the back seat so other teams can can get more involved, but I'm looking forward to that match because, look here, the Young Bucks, they essentially, they didn't turn heel, but they definitely, they chose a side last two weeks ago, and in my opinion, when you choose a side, you had to deal with the consequences. They proved they couldn't be trusted around Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, so Lucha Brothers did what they had to do, so... There's a lot of noise in this house, and that's why I started recording right now, thinking there wasn't going to be any noise. So you guys hear a bunch of noise. That is completely my fault. Um, I usually, that there wasn't anyone out and about until now. Um, but anyways, um, where was I? I lost my train of thought. But what, well, yeah, anyways, John Moxley. Uh, one second. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> um, yeah, we had snakes being fed or trying to be fed. Apples being uh, skinned and knocks on my door the first go around. I don't exactly remember where I was, but I believe I was talking about the varsity blondes and limelight getting a little bit, a, a lot of offense on the AEW version of the, of the Bullet Club. And um, this was just, for me, to see the Impact World Tag Team Champions on network television again was pretty cool. The Good Brothers finally getting the shine that they were getting in New Japan. I, I, I always have been a fan of these guys. Um, but uh, this was this was good. And I, I, like I said, oh, yeah, I already talked about this, but talked about how the Lucha Brothers came down. See? There you go. Should listen to what I recorded before. But it was just so funny how everything... I could hear, like, I don't know if, I need to listen back to that first part, but I can literally hear the talking getting closer and closer and closer, and I was like, someone's about, I, I, I was thinking this, someone's going to knock on my door, sure enough, um, 
Anyways, um, this ended with uh, Kenny Omega running away and the Lucha Brothers laying out the Young Bucks. I'm assuming this is going to lead to a match. I'm assuming at Beach Break, that would be the next best time to have this instead of a random Dynamite. You know they have to give away some type of free matches because they only have four pay-per-views a year. But I would assume Beach Break is the next time we're going to see this. Uh, the waiting room. This was Britt Baker is just another good instigator. The same way you put Charlie Russo, Charlie, what's her name? Charlie, it's not Charlie Russo. That was definitely not her name. Um, hold on a second, let's see. Charlie Caruso. Yes, Charlie Caruso. Um, and our truth on Raw Talk, Britt Baker is just a great freaking heel, instigator, all of the above. Like, she has Cody Rose on there. Cody Rose does not say anything this entire segment. This was all about the woman. <laughs> Britt says, hey, uh, congratulations on the new child. The new child's going to probably have an action figure before me. <laughs> just little things like that. And Cody's, like, looking like, what? What are you talking about? And I did love the setup because Cody tweeted something earlier in the day. I was like, hey, you never know what I'm going to say on the waiting room. He didn't say a damn word. Because then, all of a sudden, the door knocks. And freaking, oh, Britt Baker has another surprise. Well, it's freaking Cargill. She comes out, and Jay Cargill says her and Sheck are tired of talk. And uh, just because Brandy's on on the, the couch doesn't mean they're done. So this match it looks like it's still going to move forward. Except they're now going to move forward with Red Velvet, who... Took a beating at the hands of uh, Jade a few weeks ago. Um, and so these two get into it. She, uh, Jake slaps Cody. It's just a huge brawl. And then all of a sudden on the big screen, Thunder Rosa doing a promo in English and Spanish. Like she says, hey, you know, I, I've talked to, you know, the higher ups. And it'll be me versus you one-on-one at beach break. And I am looking forward to that match. Um, Britt, the entire time after that, is, is just saying, well, Tony, you said I'd have to wrestle her. I'm not wrestling her. She doesn't work here, and blah, blah, blah. She says, that's not happening. Not happening. Um, and it's definitely happening. I'm looking forward to that match. It, it will be fun. I don't know who wins, though. I have no clue who wins. Um, I'll, but I'm looking forward to seeing it either way. But Beachburg, that's, I think it's the first match announced for it. Um, uh, I would have to assume that this mixed tag team match with Red Velvet, Cody Rhodes, Jay Cargill, and Shaq, it would have to be a revolution or a major pay-per-view. I would think revolution now. Um, still don't want to see it, but I'm assuming it will happen there. The main event. Oh, before we get to the main event, is Tay Conti versus Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship. Serena Deeb has been a fighting champion with that championship. Um... And she wins here. I thought it was a fun match. I thought it was a. I thought it was. There was times where you could tell there was some spots messed up, but that's okay. Tayconti is still learning. Serena Deeb is just really, really good. Um, but Deeb gets the win. Um, I do wonder because Tayconti is not a member of the Dark Order. She just has a, a strong friendship with Anne Jay. Are we like? Are we gonna lead to like? These two just getting frustrated with losing championship matches and with each other, and they just fight each other. Like, where is this going? You know, because I do like the pairing. I, I just, with her being an outsider, I would have to assume eventually Dark Order is going to say either she's with us or against us, you know? Um, but either way, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage was a fun match. Darby took a beating. At one point in time, dude, Brian Cage... Picked him up for a press slam. Throws him. He literally throws Darby. <sighs> Has to be at least 10 feet. Over to, through a table. I think it's the, 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 not the higher announced table where JR and them sit. But it's a lower announced table. He throws him there. Oh my God. I was like, he had to have had perfect aim on that. Or else he would have killed him. I mean, Darby took one hell of a beating here. But this was another match. He got busted open as well. But this was another match that, to me, the ending came out of nowhere. But the ending had to be what it was. Unfortunately, Brian Cage had never been pinned up until this point. When he finally did get pinned. Darby needed this. The same way he needed to beat Cody, he needed to beat Brian Cage. Um, 
Sting came up for the assist. Um, I don't, once again, I don't know where any of this is going. I would have to assume either the either Sting and Darby are going to fight in a cinematic match, or it's going to be a group cinematic match with all of Team Taz against. I would have to assume Sting, Darby, and I don't know who else would have their back. Well, I don't know. We'll have to wait for that. But I don't know where this is going. But Sting came out to help. Sting's the only one that came out to help. Um, he hit Ricky Starks with the baseball bat. So this was a good. This was a good match. It was a good. Darby took a good beating. It just comes down to what do they do next? You know, uh, with with this team Taz thing. Um, and I get. I'm assuming it's leading to a cinematic match. And I just don't know who who else is going to be on Team Sting and Team Darby. So um, that was your AEW. Um, let's hit NXT before we then go into Raw and SmackDown. Um, Johnny Gargano defeated Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis can do it. This dude did a kip up in, fr- in fucking jeans. He is so athletic. He plays that character to so perfect. It's kind of scary, actually. Um, he wins the match thanks to Austin Theory's help. But Kushida, Kushida is coming for that North American Championship. Boy, oh boy, you guys may want some popcorn. I am going to f- cook up a nice steak. And I am going to have it medium rare. And I'm going to watch that match with joy because that is going to be a fun match. Kushida will be your next North American champion. But I don't I don't know when that happens. I, I would have to assume because we'll talk about WrestleMania a couple minutes from now. But I would have to assume there is no takeover WrestleMania weekend. So February 14th, I'm assuming, will be the time when we're going to see Kushida versus uh, Johnny Gargano. But I am here for it. Um, Finn Balor in the Undisputed Era, they, they take a beating at the end of the night. Thanks to uh, Pete Dunne, Birch, and Only. Um, to me, this was just, this is going to be fun. And I'm assuming we're we're going to Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne NXT Championship February 14th. Look here, you give me those two matches I just said between Kushida, Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship, Finn Balor and Pete Dunne for the NXT Championship. I was already gonna watch the show. You have me the entire day. You can just put on NXT all day. I'm I'm here for it. And Finn Balor cut one hell of a promo. NXT has revived this guy. They have showed the guy this guy the respect he deserves. And I do get it. When they first put Finn Balor on the main roster, he did he did win the Universal Championship. He is still in the record books as the first Universal Champion. And he got hurt and it sucks. And he came back. He did win the Intercontinental Championship. I believe it was twice. But he but even then, those title runs were very unremarkable. I can think of the matches he's had. There was one match, it was a triple threat match, I think it was at Mania, between Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. That was tremendous. I actually want to watch that back now, now that I'm talking about it. But it was very forgettable outside those two moments, in my opinion. And well, you know what? He had, And he had that great match, that impromptu match with AJ Styles. But that match wasn't even supposed to happen. If you remember, it's supposed to be Sister Abigail, which was going to be Bray Wyatt in drag versus the Demon, which I'm glad, Finn, uh, not Finn, but um, Bray got sick or something happened uh, because no one wanted to see that. But it was very much a forgettable run outside of those two, to me. And even then, I don't hear many people talking about the triple threat match at Mania. I just remember it because I believe it opened the show that year. And I remember I was watching this show at home. And I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was, you know, whatever. I just didn't, I just didn't, I wasn't going with the energy. And then watching, I was like, holy crap, this is a great fucking match, you know? Um, but he cut a great, pro- to me, this just, <sighs> it's just so frustrating at times. And I don't get frustrated anymore as far as like, when it comes to uh, the treatment of the, of the talent. Because some people he gets, some people he don't. But why in the hell, with promo skills and wrestling abilities, and once again, I do understand the knock that the Demon wrestles the same way that Finn Balor did, and that's fair. And that's probably why Finn doesn't want to bring the Demon out anymore, because I think he would want it to be unique and and feel special again and make it different. But yeah, outside of that, just just such a 
listen to the line he said was so perfect. He said, they don't manufacture the cloth I'm cut from. I put this X on my chest because I am the target. This dude said I put an X on my chest. This dude sounded like a fucking rapper. That was the first thing I got to my house. I was like, man, this dude's spitting some bars right now. I was like, hell yeah. I was, I'm all here. I'm down for it. But those two matches, is that, is that if that's what they're giving us on Valentine's Day, it will be a fucking massacre. And I will love every second of it. Just saying. I'm just saying. Um, Candice LeRae defeated Shotzi Blackheart. Later on, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon announced that they will be a tag team for the first ever Women's Dusty Classic. I did see Bailey said on Triple said on Twitter, "Hey, at Triple H, put me in the Women's Dusty Classic. I am here for that as well." Um, and I think that, and even though they have a the the the, the best depth in of of a women's division, um, I would have to say, yeah, I would I would I would love some Bailey in that. Um, the Grizzle Young Vets, MSK, uh, Undisputed Air, all advanced in the Men's Dusty Classic. Zia Lee, once again, another dominant win. And she is far away from that Women's Championship. I would have to assume that Io Shirai is going to defend against Raquel uh, Gonzalez, February 14th. Um, but Zia Lee keeps going like this with her stature, with her badassery. <sighs> Uh, she's going to win at some point in time late this year. Um, but I'm here for, I love Xylee before, and now she's just added more to that. Um, because of an injury, we missed out in the fight pit. Next week, we will get our fight pit match. Thatcher versus Champa. I would have to assume Thatcher's going to win, but that will take nothing away from what I'm looking forward to. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. I'm here for it. Um, overall, to me, I thought NXT was great. Um... I don't think it was better than AEW as an overall show, but to me, they did better building. And to me, it was a lot more straightforward. And I know sometimes we can't have that. We can't always have that. We uh, sometimes need mystery. But, man, you give me that Finn Balor promo alone, that Kushida tease where he, he has the the, uh, the uh, North American Championship and he just tosses it on Johnny. Yeah, I'm here for it. So uh, let's get to Raw. Raw was very uh, interesting. <laughs> very interesting. First of all, we find out early in the day on Monday that Drew McIntyre had been diagnosed with COVID. And my first thought, and this is terrible, but I'm going to say it. My first thought was, great, we won't see this match. And I realized, oh, holy crap. I was thinking the Rumble was on the 25th. It's on the 31st. So we're still getting this match. But... On the bright side of things, we're not getting that Roman Reigns-Goldberg match. I would have to assume they're going to hold off Goldberg's second match till later in the year. Because supposedly, and I'm just going to say this now. I was waiting for later when I do the news and notes. But supposedly, Vince McMahon had to be kicking and screaming because apparently Vince did not want there to be any fans at WrestleMania. And apparently, he's finally agreed with his advisors or whoever. So the big announcement this week, and there was... Uh, they did this whole thing where Stephanie and Triple H were uh, newscasters, and Sasha Banks was in it, um, and and Hugh can't see me were in it, which was it, was it was a different way to do it. it was entertaining. They announced the next three locations for WrestleMania. So this year will be Tampa Bay, Raven James Stadium, which was supposed to be last year. So they're getting a do-over. So how about that? Uh, WrestleMania and the Super Bowl will be hosted in the same year. Just Three months apart from each other. That's kind of too much apart. Two months apart. That's kind of cool. Um, the year after will be Dallas. So WrestleMania 38 will be Dallas. And WrestleMania 39 will be in LA at SoFi Stadium. Uh, the thing that, the other thing that's interesting is that the Elimination Chamber moved up. It was supposed to be February 28th. It is now February 21st. Which you can do if you're not having fans in the building. You know, you control all these things now. You're, you, you have your own... Uh, situations you're going on but also the other news was wrestlemania was supposed to take place march 27th now it's either going to take place april 11th or april 18th and supposedly this will be another two-night wrestlemania supposedly um he, i'm doing air quotes you can't see me doing air quotes there um just right now i think that part of it's up in the air i think if they're going to do a two-night wrestlemania i think it'll be better because you don't need a pay-per-view in april you've never need that when you do a WrestleMania 
at the beginning of April, you've never needed that backlash afterwards. I mean, when they started doing that, they didn't need it. Um, but this is going to be interesting. I do hope they do WrestleMania two, two nights again. Um, cause to me, it broke things down and gave things time to breathe. Obviously that was out of necessity this, this, this past year. But even with that being said, I think it wouldn't hurt if they kept it at two nights. I'm not saying it needs to stay at two nights like next year for WrestleMania 38. Um, because by then things will be back to normal. So you can pack the building for one night. But I think if you're going to do a limited amount of fans, it, most people aren't going to be able to travel to there anyway. So you're going to get most Florida, Floridians anyway. So I think it'd be better if you do that. Um, but this was all interesting. Um, obviously, they'll announce more when they figure everything out. Um, so I am looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, that that was the other news that kind of came out of everything. Um, but but anyways, let's get back to Raw. Um, I've, I found this whole night to be really weird. And really, it was one of those moments where I said, I need days to truly think about what the hell I was just watching. So get this. So Drew McIntyre accepts Goldberg's challenge for Royal Rumble. So Goldberg, after last time we saw him losing the Universal Championship, clean by the way, just walks in and says, hey, I'm going to get me a, a WWE Championship match. All right, I accept it. That's cool. Well, Drew Gulak later in the night says, I'm declaring for the Royal Rumble. Well, Adam Pearce then says, you can't just declare for the Royal Rumble, even though that's what everyone does every year. But mind you now, Drew Gulak can't just declare, and I get it, it's Drew Gulak. Don't think I have not thought about this. But everyone always goes in, and if, no matter how big, how small, they always, it could be the lowest of the low, like, uh, who was it? Uh, it could be someone with a gimmick like, uh, what's his name? Mr. Perfect's son. What was his name? I'm now that's going to annoy me. Um, let's, let's see. Hold on a second. Um, let's see. Curtis Axel. Thank you. That was going to bother me. We, we've had him. And he's, yeah, I get it. He's a former Intercontinental Champion. Who actually remembers that? that he, uh, also, if you remember that, then you remember he's also a Paul Heyman guy. But you have to remember the first part first, right? So, like, Jukulet comes out, says, hey, I'm declaring. And Pierce says, no, you can't. Even though Goldberg just made himself number one contender, right? Then later in the night, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, guess what they did? They declared for the Royal Rumble. It's like, what? Can you Can you guys be consistent in the show at least? No, no, you don't want to be all good. Respect the game that chain. Um, anyways, you find out early tonight as well that Kofi Kingston is out with a broken jaw. So guess what they end up doing? T-Bar needs a win. He defeats Xavier Woods clean. Um, I don't know if I, I'm assuming they're trying to rebuild retribution. Good for them. I could care less. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I would have been in on it if... If they would have done a story where Ricochet's going through the entire, like, let's say they get a couple wins over him, but then he starts fighting back and getting wins over them, and finally leads to his big pay-per-view match with Ali, but they blew all that. I just don't, there's no direction here. They have no longer taken over the shows. They just become everybody else. Then when Ali cuts that promo, people think he had heat backstage because of what he said about Hulk Hogan. Like, it was a great fucking promo. If that's not what you want your talent to do, I don't know what you want your talent to do, but this whole show can be really weird and frustrating. And then I saw this article. I saw this thing when Kevin Nash saw it and Kevin Nash tweeted it out. It said, is WWE trying to kill Ric Flair? Because they had another breakout of COVID at the, I think when another podcaster calls it the COVID Coliseum. <laughs> but Ric Flair now is now entrenched in a storyline where he has turned on Charlotte well, I guess you could say she turned on him first. But she helps Lacey beat Charlotte. And now he's with Charlotte. He's going to be her male valet or whatever. It's like, what's happening here? And why is Ric Flair on TV when you had another COVID breakout? I, I don't get it. Anyways, then this was another head scratcher. 
Keith Lee and Sheamus are tag teaming against Miz and Morrison. There was a great spot, and I know they did to get to, to commercial. It was still something I don't think we've seen before, or if, or if we have, I don't remember the last time we've seen it. And then I saw this great thing on, on Instagram where it said, Keith Lee is a walking meme. Look at the memes this guy has produced in the last year and change. The meme where Finn Balor's in the corner and you just see him pop up. The meme where Adam Cole's running and pointing and you just see Keith Lee pounce him into the to the audience. The meme where he's making the mean face uh, after losing to Miz and Morrison. And then this was another meme-worthy thing because he throws Morrison into the corner. He runs up, boom, crashes into him. The top turnbuckle just crashes. All you see is him look with a surprised look and this big smile. Big Jolly the Green Giant smile. Um... It was, it was a great moment. Uh, this match was basic. Uh, Keith Lee and Sheamus win. They go to commercial after the match. We come back, and now Sheamus is in Keith Lee's face. They're, they're beefing again. Nothing is explained. I actually watched this and rewinded it, turned the volume up so I can see, like, what happened over the commercial break. Nothing, apparently. Apparently, it's just whatever the bleep. So then these two have an impromptu match because I guess you need three hours to fill. Keith Lee wins again with the Spirit Bomb. That's two victories in a row against Sheamus with the Spirit Bomb. All of a sudden, they're hugging after that. So now they have respect for each other. And then they cut a promo saying how much they respect each other at the end of the night. Okay. Um, at the beginning of the night, obviously the backup plan, and since Drew was supposed to go against Randy Orton, the backup plan was Triple H. Triple H at first said, I'm not going to give you what you want. Uh, then Randy Orton said, can you retrieve your balls from Stephanie's purse? Same line he used before. And then Orton gets decked by Triple H later in the night. Uh, Triple H at first wouldn't accept the challenge. He then accepted the challenge. Then Keith Lee tried to fight Orton for him. Triple H said, no, nah, I'm good. Um, people were, it's funny how they try to do these moments, right? Where they try to show Keith Lee and Triple H together because they're connected at NXT. But the thing about this is, but it means nothing to your main audience because you don't consider that in continuity. Because if you did consider those things in continuity, Samoa Joe would be a world champion. Keith Lee would be a world champion. Big E would be a world champion. Bo Dallas would be a world champion. Like, so it's one of those things where it's like, these moments don't mean anything because you're not in continuity and you never mentioned NXT. So it's like, um, so... Um, well, anyways, this leads to a one-on-one match, Triple H versus Randy Orton. The match is just a, a fight, a brawl. Like, Triple H doesn't even have on tights. He has on all black. So they're beating half of each other. Triple H gets his sledgehammer. All of a sudden, the lights go out. When the lights come back on, his sledgehammer is on fire. Triple H is looking in shock. All of a sudden, the lights go out again. Triple H is completely gone. Then you see Alexa Bliss in the corner. Randy Orton's looking around. It's in the dark, and he's, like, waiting for the fiend to pounce. Next thing you know... I haven't seen, I don't think we've seen a fireball. When's the last time we've seen a fireball on WWE television? I I can't remember the last time. It, like, one of the times I can think of off the top of my head was when Triple H hit Kane with a fireball, but it was like a bazooka fireball. The last fireball I saw was a terrible one. It wasn't, a, it wasn't even a fireball. It was a, when Hogan tried to put fire in Ultimate Warrior's face in that terrible Halloween Havoc match. But anyways, we see... Uh, Alexa Bliss hit him with a fireball. Randy Orton goes things. It's like two weeks prior when we were wondering if, if Randy Orton set her on fire, which I was all for setting the bitch on fire. But like, I shouldn't say bitch. Well, all for setting her on fire. I apologize. That, that's the way I usually talk to. I say the b word a lot. Sorry. Um, but um, so I was all for setting her on fire, but that wasn't the thing, I guess. Well, now you have her pretty much trying to blind this guy, and so then they go off the air. No, no explanation. Nothing. To me, I really needed, like, I wrote these notes down, and I really needed to, like, like legitimately, it took me until, like, Wednesday when I was like, all right, I'm not thinking about this anymore. But, like, I'm trying to think about, like, the sense it made. I get they needed a backup plan. I get the Triple H's at every show, so they have history. I get it. Whatever. I'm throwing that out the, the win. Because even though Randy Orton did declare for the Royal Rumble, rumor has it still that him and Fiend are having a match at the Rumble. They still have two weeks to figure this out, so I'm not worried about that. And plus, with Alexa Bliss being there, it's still been building. It's just without the Fiend, uh, and they'll do things with them. Whatever, take that out. The whole thing with you, with you can't declare yourself, but someone who just lost the Universal title, who hasn't wrestled or earned anything. At least, at least Drew Gulak has been wrestling. He's been losing, but 
in that time, and I'm going to say something that's going to be completely ridiculous, and I can't believe I'm using this as a defense, he actually won a 24-7 championship since since Goldberg lost the Universal titles. Like, he's at least been doing something, you know? But, like, you have people just giving themselves championship matches, essentially. You have people beating up, like, just headbutting a champion. You have people declaring whenever they want. Somehow you, you, have, you pick on poor Drew Gulak, who, by the way, faced AJ Styles, because the rule was... Oh, his stipulation was, hey, you you face AJ Styles, you beat AJ Styles, you get him at, you get in the Rumble, he lost. Um, it was just really weird, and this is a very, I want to say it has some direction. The only thing to me that has direction, obviously, is the Goldberg Keith uh, Goldberg and uh, Drew McIntyre match because it's two weeks away, uh, and this the Randy Orton Fiend stuff, if you can say it's building. Um, but it's hard to believe that NXT and this and, and Raw are, are part of the same company. Um, the last bit of Raw news, let's because I'll just get this out the way before I hit the SmackDown. The Ricochet controversy. I know people are really, really, really wanting Ricochet out of WWE. I get it. Supposedly he signed a contract right before he hit the main roster, so he's in con- in contract, on contract, on paper for the next five years or four years, I think. Look here, dudes. You guys gotta stop throwing this, this false information out there, getting this boy in trouble, getting this man in trouble. Excuse me. Like, just—he's gonna have a decision to make. He's gonna have—he's gonna have a tough one. And it's clear that their philosophy is no longer the same. Vince—if you listen to Bruce Pritchard, Vince Man's theories used to be, or philosophy used to be, hey, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here, we don't want you unhappy. That's no longer a thing. He knows he has competition, even though, even though. Some people say it's, it's not Monday Night War. It's not, but I'm just still sure I'm sh- he does not want AEW to grow at all. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, like when I look at things, I was telling someone else the other day, right? They were asking me about the action figure things. I guess I made a comment on the podcast a few weeks ago about it being a limited run. Now that's what I had heard from several people. Um, I believe I heard on something to wrestle with when um, Conrad was cutting a, a commercial for it. But I also heard from the Jazzwork line guy, I can't remember his name right now, he went on Twitter and said, hey, this, these are limited. So, like, the pre, like, even if you look on Ringside Collectibles right now, they have pre-orders going up for, like, Volume 2 or Wave 2 and Wave 3. There's no longer anything up for Wave 1. You know, so I truly think by the time they get to, like, Wave 5, Wave 6, Wave 7, that's when you're going to start seeing them try to stay in stock a little bit more. But, like, they won't be limited edition anymore. But I think the first four to five waves are all limited edition. And and so, like, you get them while they are. So if, you, if you're if you a seller, if you're a scalper, you better get as many as you want if you can find them or if you can do it. Because, you know, even Ringside Collectibles, what I've noticed is they went from, like, not having a limit to now you can only have two a limit. No, two per limit, excuse me. Um, but anyways, my point is, like, Ricochet is there for at least a couple years. If he makes a decision to pull the Dolph Ziggler, that's on him. I just, I realized a long time ago when I was first doing the podcast, why repent? There's no need to be mad if these guys that are talented and these women that are talented decide to stay and get a comfortable paycheck. I am not mad about that whatsoever. Some people have no ambition. I know Daniel Bryan has said many times he has no ambition. That's been He may see there's no ambition, but I think the fact that he has fought for his spot, that proves he does have ambition. I remember talking about this on the last show too, on like the previous podcast I had. But to me, I don't know what Ricochet is. Do I think he's not happy with his spot yet? Do I think they know how to use him? No. I think he needs to have a manager that can do some talk with him or for him or whatever. I'm not saying he's not everybody can be a Heyman guy, but he needs someone. The same way to me, Selena Vega turned Andrade. He he put Andrade. She put Andrade on a different level. Before I couldn't take Andrade seriously, even though I know who he is and what he did before in NXT. I was like, damn NXT is the brand where I'm like, man, if they have to do something with you, you know what I'm saying? I just have that much faith in triple H and the people he has helping him. But I just didn't like the character. And then he had Zelina Vega. He got an edge. It was, he's became really cool, really good. And obviously had before he ricochet needs something like that. Someone that can talk, it's someone that can just help. I'm not saying a heel turn, but I mean, obviously, you have a manager, it's probably gonna lead to a heel turn. But like, we need you guys, these false reports need to stop because it's probably getting him some heat. 
And let's say, let's say even if he is hypothetically talking to people in his inner circle and saying he's not happy, I'm still sure he doesn't want to get absolutely destroyed every week, even though that's what's been going on. I'm, I'm still sure he has some kind of faith that he can turn something around. So we need to get past that because it's just I think it's just hurting this dude personally. Um, does it hurt me to see him being as underutilized as he is? Of course. But we have to realize that it's this is their process. And until Vince changes his ways, evolves, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to go to the wayside. And unfortunately, he's one of them as of right now. So I had to say that to get that off my chest. Let's hit SmackDown. Uh, Adam Pierce, he is getting picked on all night about signing this match. At first, it's a no, a no DQ match, and Paul Heyman brings the contract back after Pierce signs it, and Reigns says, "Nah, I'm good. I want a last man standing match." He says, "And make him sign this, and I'm going to consider this done." And blah blah blah. But the big Easter egg that you see is Reigns turns to his left. He's talking to somebody. You can see somebody's arm in the in the in the in the cut. All of a sudden, you look over. Apollo Cruz. Is sitting now talking to the head of the table. It's like, remember the week before on Talking Smack, and by the way, Talking Smack is Destination TV. Even if you don't watch the entire thing, there are certain clips you guys just need to watch. The week before uh, on Talking Smack, okay, I found this on the web. my Siri is just going off right now. Um, but um, that's annoying. I need to stop that. Um, but. Um, the same thing he did with Big E. He, he, when he's just talking to Big E, telling him how serious he is and just firing him up, he does the same thing to Apollo. You, see, you just hear Apollo seething. And he's like getting pumped up after he lost his match. Well, now Reigns is talking to the head. He's, he's talking to the head of the table. It's like, holy crap, what's what's this? It's like, all right. And now they have a now Big E and Apollo have a, uh, a, a, a rematch for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm sitting there like, oh, this just got very, very interesting. Well, finally, at the end of the night, it's all a ruse. Um, they sign a contract. Rain signs a contract. Pierce says, I've been waiting for you to do this all night. He then feigns an industry, in, in, injury, which you can see coming from a mile away. Owens comes out, signs it. And I'm not even going to lie to you. Instagram had the best line. Because Roman Reigns had this, like, this the most disgusted look on his face. Like, this guy again? Well... <laughs> and one of the captions, like, there's this picture of Reigns where you can see him talk, and he's like, man, not this dude again. <laughs> it's like, that's the face that Roman Reigns had. He perfectly sold it. Obviously, this will be Kevin Owens' last ride for a Universal Championship match. Um, but then, talk, back to Talking Smack, Kevin Owens just, he lets Paul Heyman have it. And uh, and it's to me, it's just great because Paul Heyman has heat with everybody. Like him and Caleb Braxton can't get along. They're yelling at each other. Uh, it's just talking smack is really good. I think you actually get into it if you're not. Um, but it's official. Your two championship matches at the Royal Rumble will be Kevin Owens in a last man standing match versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship and Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I cannot imagine either champion losing. As much as I want to say or make the uh, the joke of, hey, I can see WWE screwing this up. I there's, I don't even want to think that way. That is just type of the type of negative thinking I do not approve of. So I will not do it. Uh, Nakamura here becomes like an official face. He gets his old theme music back. Everyone and everyone then chimed in about how they want their old theme back. Shelton Benjamin chimed in saying he wants his old theme back. We all know Jeff Hardy wanted got his old theme back, but Nakamura is an official face now. He defeated Jey Uso. He has his theme back. Um, he says Roman Reigns is next. This makes thing. I mean, I, I don't think. By the way, just a service announcement. As I said last week, January thirty first. The show that would normally be on February 1st, the Monday show, that show will be on Royal Rumble Sunday because I want to do predictions. I want to be able to watch each show and give my final full thought on it. And then that Monday, we'll have extra content. February 1st will be the Royal Rumble review show where I'm going to talk about who got eliminated, what number they came out, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to go, we're going to go into in-depth because... As all of you guys know by now, it's my favorite pay-per-view. Um, this makes things interesting because uh, I'll hold off and I'll go my thoughts. But Nakamura is an official face now. He defeated Jey Uso. Um, Cesaro got a huge win over Daniel Bryan. 
he's he's in the Royal Rumble. I, I want to say that's a huge win, and it is a huge win. But it's like we know they're not going to do anything with Cesaro, so it's kind of like ugh, you know. But Cesaro once again just proves why why he's so great. He did this suplex from the top rope, just pure strength. Obviously, you need some cooperation from Brian, but it was just a great superplex, and it was it just it was a big one for him. And obviously, Daniel Bryan doesn't care. He he wants as many people over as possible. He even came out and said, hey, we need more NXT talent on SmackDown. So he's all for it. Bailey and Bianca, apparently they're going to go through an obstacle course next week. I can care less. Please don't make this. Oh, God. I, I, I heard her say obstacle. And obviously, she's being a good heel. She's trying to avoid having another fight with her or another match with her because she has that one victory over her that she can gloat about, right? But, oh, my God, dude. I That's one segment of SmackDown I will not be watching next week. I can give you that spoiler alert right now. Um, so, that was pretty much your SmackDown show. I mean, Apollo Crews did beat Sami Zayn by some nefarious means. So, he's starting to get that edge. So, with him sitting down with Roman Reigns, this will be very, very interesting to see how this happens. So, uh, another good week of wrestling. Um, Wednesday show. For the record, people keep asking me. I I actually been under the impression this entire time that WandaVision was six episodes, right? Well, currently, apparently it's nine episodes, and I guess the, and the first two just dropped this past Friday. And apparently, the first two episodes are like thirty minutes, and then like the rest of the season is like in various times. Nothing's under thirty minutes, but like apparently some are forty minutes, some are fifty minutes, and blah blah blah. So the way it is being broken down is like because this will be the only season of it. They're going to be many movies. So essentially, it's probably going to end up adding up to be like over three, four hours of content. But overall, it'll be spread out through nine nine episodes. I am not going to do reviews on all this stuff. I am not going to watch 30 minutes and just think that's going to be enough. Uh, I'm a junkie when it comes to this stuff. I refuse to take 30 minutes of a hit. Uh, give me an hour. If they were, if these first two episodes were an hour, I would watch them. But once I find out they were thirty minutes, like no, that's not gonna happen. So what I'll do, and don't hold me to this, but what I'm thinking of doing is once we get to episode six, I will then watch them, review them, and then wait till we review the last, and then review the last three as they go on. But we will see, because I usually do not watch TV that way. I do not buy streaming services to watch weekly television. If that's the case, I'll get cable. That's annoying. So um, this Wednesday, I have no clue what this episode is going to be about. Um, You guys will find out when you find out. Subscribe, like, follow, and you will know what it is when it pops up. So anyways, that is the show. That is a Monday show for this week. Uh, Follow me on Instagram, at NeverSilverSpoonFed. Follow me, well, no. Yeah, follow me, I'll follow you back. Or you can email me at remuent at gmail.com. That's the show for this week, and we're out.